Good morning, good morning. Go ahead and find your seats. All right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, if you enjoyed that tiny little taste of connection, um, that is one more reason for you to stay after for our luncheon. Um, we have a luncheon on Mission Sunday as a way to build deep relationships. The work of justice is a work of connecting, restoring, and strengthening relationships. And so we want you to be a part of that with us. So be sure to stay after. We have a brunch um, to celebrate together. And so it should be a beautiful Sunday. Um, I just have one announcement for, our, for those in our community, um, and we've been building towards this as I've shared a little bit about our vision and mission as a church. But on Sunday, November 14th, after service, we have our vision meeting. And so we would love for you to stay after. I should have told people in like the first four tables to bring sunglasses today. Um, um, so we'll just pray for the clouds to come back and then cover. Um, you say that because you're in the shade, yes. Um, I do want to highlight a little bit of our vision and mission and what drives who we are and what we do. Because this idea of Mission Sunday comes from God's call on us as a church. And so I want to highlight for you again our vision and mission. Um, for those of you who haven't been around or you're brand new, this will be new for you. And for those of you who've been around for a long time, you're going to tire of me saying it. And that's okay. But our vision as a church community is that we would see all people and all things transformed by Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We say all people and all things because we believe the work of the gospel extends beyond human souls and into human systems. That we would see God restore. That we would see him go into brokenness wherever it is, heal, and bring back into alignment with his kingdom. We believe only Jesus can do that by the power of his Holy Spirit inside of each of us. But that drives our mission as a community. And our mission as a community is that we would humbly and relentlessly pursue the promises of God by following his specific call for us as a church. We say humbly because we have not figured it out and we will never figure it out this side of the kingdom, but we will humbly surrender to God and what he's doing and then learn from our neighbors and learn from any of you doing the work of what it looks like to bring the kingdom here on earth. But we want to be relentless because our city requires <laughs> relentlessness and justice requires that we never stop persevering in this effort because God has promises for us. And so we will strive for them until we see them become a reality. But there are two aspects of our mission statement that are kind of coming together today. And I want you to see it tangibly in our midst before you get to hear from Jasmine this morning. The first aspect of our mission statement that this connects is our mission to give as a community. That we believe that money has power, but we want to set people free from the power we've given money over our lives so that we can release it to advance God's kingdom through generosity. And all of you are here today because we believe so much that you're, you're close to the heart of God that we want to leverage our resources for God's heart in your work. And so we've been able to release and hope to release more and more of our income every year that we would see the kingdom advance in this city. But the second aspect of the mission statement that I want to highlight is that we want to seek God's justice. God's justice. Not social justice, not what's cool in the moment, but God's justice. 
his kingdom coming in every arena and every area, whether our city and our society are ready for it, they need it. And so we would see God's justice, that we would free and restore the oppressed. And that comes out of Jesus's first words in his ministry publicly in the synagogue. In Luke chapter four, we read that Jesus showed up on the Sabbath, opened the scriptures and read from the book of Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to reclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We just wanna be like Jesus. And many of you are doing that. And I want you to hear God's delight over you today as Jasmine comes and preaches for us. Jasmine Wood is one of our ministers in our community. She's on our staff. And many of you have had been the beneficiary of connecting with her. She has been the one that has made today happen. And so in a moment, we're gonna celebrate that, but I just wanna pray for her before she comes and pray for us that we would hear from God today. So will you pray with me? Father, I think you are just so happy today that you see your heart manifest in the lives and the works of so many of these people. And I pray that you would bless each of these, your children, with encouragement and strength that they would leave refreshed and full by being a part of this day. I ask that you bless Jasmine as she preaches, that you would bless her with power and joy and freedom. God, that your passion would come alive through her words. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you thank Jasmine and give her a warm welcome this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. So I know there are some people around the corner, people who have been serving and working hard, or maybe they're just hanging out on the side. But I, I want y'all to come on in. You can even move the table in with you if you want to. So if you're serving this morning, go ahead and come on in. You know these folks are gonna be late. They're gonna keep coming in for another 10, 15 minutes. So just come on in. Y'all, honestly, I have not been this nervous and excited since they announced Wegmans was coming to the city. <laughs> there is nothing that I won't do for a free lunch. And so all the same emotions are surfacing right now. Um, once again, good morning. If it's your first time visiting, I'm Jasmine. Good morning to those of you that call LMCC your church home. And good morning to our very, very special guests. The individuals from the nonprofits and churches that we call our partners and our friends. Uh, those partners include foster advocates, foster care advocates like CASA NYC, Christ-centered youth advocacy groups like Viva Uptown and Young Life, legal aid counselors from Open Hands, and organizations like Restore NYC that fight to end sex trafficking. We have a huge portfolio of partners and they are truly phenomenal. And as Logan said, today is about celebrating them and then providing you, the amazingly generous people of LMCC, with an update on what your giving has helped make possible. And 
Hopefully, if we've done our jobs well, we'll even inspire you to go a little bit further today. Um, as Logan also said, Mission Sunday is really at the heart uh, of, of what we do. Um, it's a special day, but it's not an outlier. Uh, this is what we believe. Um, this is who we are. And if there was one LMCC service that Jesus Christ himself chose to attend out of all the Sundays in the year, I don't think he would be here with us necessarily on Christmas Eve, although I do hope you join us for Christmas Eve because it's going to be lovely. But I think if he had to pick one Sunday, it would be this one, because today is what the kingdom of God is truly about. Service, giving, mercy, sharing resources, and seeing people truly be transformed in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. The last two years have not been easy for anyone, but they've been especially challenging if you've been in the business of caring for people. And our partners have faced some incredible challenges. Many of them had staffing shortages, some had funding shortages, and yet they kept going, they kept gaining kingdom ground. Like, for example, hit me Calvin, City Relief, which not only bounced back from challenges brought on by COVID-19 restrictions, but from damage caused by Hurricane Ida earlier in the year as well in order to keep providing unhoused New Yorkers with basic necessities. There's Shalom Reconciliation Ministry, which opened a restaurant in order to generate income so that they could continue feeding and educating and housing orphans in Uganda. New York City Love Kitchen and Rescuing Leftover Cuisine, two organizations that never stopped providing food to vulnerable, hungry individuals in this city. There's Romanian Evangelical Medical Mission, yet another one of our favorite groups because their constant, in, their constant ability to invent new ways to minister to marginalized groups in Romania and their long-term commitment to breaking the poverty cycle continues to inspire us. Not to mention churches like Communitas, a church that is dedicated to bringing Christ to the homeless, along with Legacy Brooklyn, the Gathering Harlem, Zion. These are all churches that journeyed with people through some of the darkest moments in recent history. God bless their pastors and their leaders that poured themselves out 24 hours a day in order to care for people both online and in person. We see you. For a complete list of the organizations that we are supporting this year and celebrating today, there's a QR code on your table, and you can scan that, and that'll give you a complete list. And I want to shout out my colleague Sam for making that happen on short notice. Sam has been making LMCC's online communication meta way before Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> and I mean that. Um, none of these groups are working for fame, but for the glory and the honor that only comes from God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, don't forget to do good and to share what you have because God is pleased with these kinds of sacrifices. It also says, we are house Atreides. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith we betray. Or, 
Maybe the last part came from the movie Dune. I don't know, but it's powerful either way. Dune nerds? Yes. Atreides. Um, okay. Guys, stop talking about Dune, okay? It's just a movie. Um, but in all seriousness, when it is all said and done, this church is going to give, freely give, $1 million to the people and the causes that God loves. And I just want to tell... Um, and it's, it's really an honor to serve as our church's representative in stewarding that work. But please don't thank me. There are people you should thank, but don't thank me because let's be honest, if it was really up to me, we would take all of that money and we'd put it in a giant piggy bank in the sky and we would play Squid Game. But in my version, no one would die. No one would die. We would just have very weird punishments whenever you lost a game. Um, you know, if you lost, you'd have to sit in those chairs but without the cushion. Um, or you couldn't use the elevator and you would have to take the stairs all the way up. Or if you lost, you'd have to squeeze yourself into Logan's skinny jeans. <laughs> In which case, you might die. <laughs> um, but just picture it, it would be really grand. We would have matching tracksuits, all the weirdest people in the church gathered together on one team, a team that is led by Karen and Alex. Uh, everyone just praying and hoping they don't have to go up against Marcy. And Dan, considering that you wear the same Cleveland Browns jacket every week, I thought you'd be more excited about the track seats, bud. Okay. Instead, don't thank me. You should thank people like Rebecca Iwerks, who is my predecessor. She seeded a lot of the outside giving work. She continues to help us look for new partners, and she just does a phenomenal job, and I'm grateful to her. And thanks. And I also hope that you will seek out uh, at least one of our pastors uh, to learn more about the process and to thank them as well. Uh, that group spends a lot of time praying and thinking about the purpose and the impact of this work. And then they pray and pray and pray some more. And then finally, I have an opportunity to make recommendations to them. Uh, it's a bit like going on Shark Tank. Um, if there were seven versions of Mark Cuban, uh, Mark is the nicest one, um, so you know they're going to say yes to something, but they ask a lot of questions before you get to commercial break. Um, so please find one of them to learn more. Um, none of this, though, would happen without the people of LMCC trusting in this process, trusting in God. Um, if you chose not to give, uh, we would have to stop or we would have to at least think about cutting back. Um, but every year, we ask you to pull up a seat to the table, and every year, you go all in. You seem to push all of your chips in, and we are so grateful, and I want to say thank you for doing that. Thank you for partnering with us to advance the mission of these groups. And this morning, um, the question I want to pose for everyone, regardless of where you sit or where you work, 
is have you considered that we are called to be partners with God for his mission first? Partnering with our fellow church members is good. Partnering with other Christians is great. But partnering with God is going to trump all of that. And over the course of our lives, we're being called to be his partner first and foremost, to join in his mission and his vision for his people. And as one of my teachers said, any talk of giving, any talk of service, any talk of being engaged in the world must begin not with activity, but begin with a life with God. Because it's too easy and it's too tempting to forget that our great ideas and our metrics don't measure up to what God has planned to his mission and his vision for his people. And if we don't start by recognizing that God, first and foremost, is our truest, he is our most faithful partner, we will lose ourselves on the way to carry out his mission. If we don't start by just spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, listening for his voice, we're not going to have any idea of what he really wants. And if we don't spend time being filled by him, being changed by him, then we're going to try to give the world something that we don't yet possess, which is his character. To say that another way, before we gain clarity on what we are doing in his name, we need to be clear on who we are becoming in his name. And today I want to look at a story that's probably familiar to many of you. It's the story of Zacchaeus. I know that's a story that's very popular for children in Sunday school. I actually didn't learn it as a child. I only learned it as an adult. Um, and I think it hits differently. Um, and I think there are some things in that story, things I want to pull from when we're talking about partnering with God. So I have three points, three aspects of partnering with God that I want to look at this morning. The first is interruptions. The second is tenderness. And the third is character. Nick, come on in, brother. I don't want you standing there like that. Y'all, this is Nick, a very important man. Come on in, brother. Okay, wonderful. Uh, so, I would like your help reading the scripture this morning. We're going to read together. You don't have to stand, but let's read it quickly like we got goodness and mercy chasing us down so we can have lunch. Okay, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Want to hear it? Here it go. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. We're good. That was perfect. You read it. Thank you. I don't know that that last sentence was there, but that's okay. It's all from the Bible and not from Dune. Okay. All right, here we go. When this story opens, Jesus is traveling to Jericho. But I need you to catch this. Jericho is not the final destination. The final destination is going to be Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where Jesus is going to be received by the crowds. Jerusalem is where people are going to shout the name of Jesus and Hosanna. Jesus is where he's going to have a royal reception. I'm sorry, Jerusalem is where he's going to have a royal reception. Jerusalem is where he's going to die a brutal death before he gets back up. But when we meet Jesus at this moment, he has not yet reached Jerusalem. He's still a few days away from the acts that are going to forever change our lives. The other main character in this story is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a Jewish tax collector. At this point in time, the Jewish people are living under uh, the Roman government. Uh, they are being marginalized and abused and taken advantage of in almost every conceivable way, including where their money is concerned. And they also have to pay a tax to the Roman government. And so the way this works is if you're a tax collector, you make your salary by charging an extra fee on top of what you actually owe the government. So the Roman government might say, okay, you owe $75, but Zacchaeus would show up at your door and say, actually, you owe 100, and that's what you had to pay. What does he do with the extra $25? He pockets that. He is a cheater. He cheats his own people. There's no sugarcoating it. Uh, he has the full weight of the Roman government behind him, so there's nothing you can do about it. His business is cheating, and cheating is very, and business is very good. He has what I call a by hook or by crook mentality, a by any means necessary mentality, where I see something that I want, and it doesn't really matter what I have to do to get it. This is what I'm going to do. I think he's a lot more like some of the people that we know or some of the, how we ourselves used to be than we like to let on. And he's also very determined. He's ambitious. He's driven. He's determined. Sometimes being determined can be good. Sometimes being determined can be not so great. Um, for example, my daughter, who's almost two, uh, lately she wants to get into all of our cabinets. And so she's just been pulling on them and pulling on them. And my husband and I are always saying, stop, 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 don't open the cabinet. And the other day she kept pulling on one and pulling on one. And finally she got it open and she just squealed with delight. And uh, my husband walked over to her and he said, you did it, huh? That's good. You determined. Don't be determined to get a spanking. All right, go sit on down. <laughs> and, she, and she knew. Um, so sometimes being determined...
get you into trouble. But I'm willing to go out on a limb, no pun intended, and say that when it comes to meeting Jesus, being determined was the one time it paid off in his life. Because when he heard that Jesus was going to pass through his town on the way to Jerusalem, did he let something like his short stature prevent him from seeing him? No. What did he do? That boy's smart. He ran on ahead. He ran down the road, he climbed into a tree, and he waited. And then entered Jesus. Brilliant. You understand he was part of his, his charisma, is part of what draws you to him. He's, he's brilliant. He's the smartest one in the room. He's kind. He's firm. He's smart. He, he's handsome. He's nice. He smells good. Women follow him. Men follow him. Men can't stop staring at him. What is, what is it about that brother? You know he's got to be sharply dressed. Uh, people can't get enough of him. I just want to be around you. I just want to be around you. I just want to be around you. It's electric when he shows up. There's nothing casual about when Jesus shows up. And even Zacchaeus can feel that. Jesus is about to change the history of the world. He literally has things to do. It's not a game. It's not a joke. He has to get to Jerusalem. He has to see this be carried all the way out. He should not have time to stop to see about a man who would cheat his own people. But Jesus sees what we don't. The crowd sees a short, callous man in a tree, but Jesus sees someone who truly lacks, someone who's truly in need, a person who is lost, a person who wasn't necessarily on the agenda, but was always at the center of the mission. And when Jesus shows up, things happen, power flows, people get healed, they get saved, they get delivered. But only because Jesus is always willing to do what I think has become my favorite thing about him. He's always willing to entertain holy interruptions. Like I said, he has things to do. Tick tock. But he's never too busy for the mission. And he always tolerates holy interruptions. But do you? Do you live your life in such a way where you are aware and you're sensitive to the people and the work that God is putting before you? Or do you steamroll past it because you're too busy and you have other things to do? Do you stop to tend to the people that you are supposed to be impacting? No one likes to have their time wasted or to be needlessly interrupted. But when God is putting something or someone before you and you see they're in need, you have to at least be willing to stop at least for a moment and listen and say, God, is there a next step that you have for me here? Is there something else that I'm supposed to be doing here? Another step you want me to take? And so it says, you know, when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up. You know how I feel about that phrase. There's power in that phrase. Abraham looked up. Daniel looked up. Elijah looked up. When people look up in the Bible, there's power. Jesus looked up. He called Zacchaeus by his name. And he said, come on, I want to come home with you today. 
He went to Zacchaeus' house. Can he come to yours? And I don't mean like you leave now and then Jesus will leave 30 minutes later while you go home and like clean up everything and put the things you don't want him to see away in drawers. I mean, can he come over to you right now and the two of you get up and leave and go to your house together right now? And most of you are looking at me like, absolutely not. You have no idea how we left the house this morning. Same, sister, same. But honestly, I don't think he's that worried about the socks and the dishes. And either way, he's not waiting on the outside. That's part of what this story is about. Jesus is not doing his transformative work on the outside. He isn't waiting for you to clean up before he comes over. He isn't waiting for you to get your life together before he invites you to go on a mission with him. He has a plan. He has an agenda. He has a mission. And he is coming in. But transition, shuffle ball change, That's only because, point number two, he's tender. And as God's partners and as God's co-workers, we need to model tenderness too. Y'all, I don't have to tell you how crazy the world is. Every day, my mind is blown. You read these stories, you think, How could a mother do that to their own children? How could people do things like this? And then they get on planes and they want to fight? Sir, have a seat. We are so far from the ground right now. What are you doing? I mean, they have just gone absolutely bonkers. And we don't hear much talk of people being tender, but I'm telling you, this is a priceless, priceless characteristic that you want to have. Jesus was dripping in tenderness. Tender, according to Webster's, is defined as showing care. Eh, that's okay. Uh, Having a soft or yielding texture. Okay. Being incapable of resisting cold. That one sounds a little bit cooler. Sounds kind of like an X-Men. Not able, okay. But the one that I like the best is tender is responding to and expressing the softer emotions. What tender is not is being emotional and overwhelmed and, and overly sensitive. That is, what, that, is, that is not what we're talking about. That, when you're just being overly sensitive and, and overwhelmed, that's called being reactive. What I'm talking about is being tender, which is about being responsive. That's about being sensitive enough to what God is doing in your life and trying to do through you in the lives of other people and followers of Christ are responsive. And we know that we're supposed to be responsive because we see that modeled in Jesus throughout his life. Jesus is easily moved by someone else's distress. You never have to argue with him. 
You never have to beg him. You never have to twist, your, twist his arm. He's tender. He's responsive, easily moved. Lord, I, I know you're busy, but my daughter is sick. Lord, I know you're busy, but uh, our brother has died, the one that you love. Lord, I need this. Lord, I have a question. Lord, my son. Lord, I'm demon possessed. And what do you see over and over and over and over again? It's not a response of irritation. It's not a response of annoyance. Yes, there are times where Jesus has to rest, where he has to withdraw, where he needs a quiet moment. But when he's with people and they have a need in front of him, he is tender and responsive. And as godly people, we need to spend more time desiring to be tender-hearted. If you say that you are spending time with Jesus and you are not becoming more tenderhearted, something is wrong. When we see tragedy, we don't ever think to ourselves, you know what, that's too bad, tough break, must be karma. That's not how we operate. That's not who we are. And, you know, I think the pandemic and the election and January 6th, and the vaccinations, and the Taliban, and the climate crisis is robbing us of our tenderness. Not to mention that Adele's new song is too sad. It's too sad. She got me out here about to wreck my life. It's too sad. But we need our tenderness if we are going to look after the sick and the elderly and the widows and protect the unborn and feed the hungry and welcome the immigrant, we're gonna need our tenderness in order to respond to that and so much more. And I do, I do recognize that we're not going to be able to stop every single time you see someone in need or give to every single situation that deserves money, but I am encouraging you today to be tender enough to the Spirit of God so that when He does want to use you, your heart is not in a hardened condition. Because if it is, point number three, let's bring this baby home, that is going to affect your character. Your character can be a lot of things, but it boils down to what makes you, you. Your distinguishing features. It can also be what people have come to expect from you. A lot of y'all see I'm a little out of character today. Don't worry, I'll be back in jeans and all birds next week. Don't you worry. But what people have come to expect from you, how do they react? when you're upset or when they want your honest opinion. It tells you a lot. Upon having an encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus does something completely out of character. When he has an encounter with Jesus, he realizes that although he's rich, he really has nothing now that he's standing in front of the only thing that actually matters. And what do you see him do? His reaction is to say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I was wrong. The people that I cheated, I will repay. I will make this right. If I need to, I will even go uh, well beyond that. You see his character change. 
Now, in this church, we spend the majority of the year talking about the Bible, you know, beginning to end. But over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to talk about giving. We're going to dive into the spiritual discipline, the spiritual practice of, of giving. And what I want you to see today, and for those of you listening on the podcast, I feel the Holy Spirit saying this. If you're listening on the podcast, and now you know, okay, well, I'm coming into this three-week series on giving. This is what I want you to know and to remember. God is not after your giving. He's after your character. Because when you have his character, everything else is going to flow from it. Parents of kids, you know you can't keep arguing with them one subject at a time. But when they have the character of Christ, everything you're concerned about all of that's going to start to flow in line with what you really want to see. It's not about the giving. It's about the character. Once we have that, we don't have to worry. What we give in this church, what we do, how we do this every year, it really is impressive and it really is remarkable. But if you think about it, it's also really the only response that makes sense now that Jesus has come in. Now that he's changed our hardened hearts into something tender. Now that we have more of his character. Now that he's opened our eyes to the state of things around us. We give from a deep love. We give out of response to this love that he had for us first. What we're doing in this church is not an obligation. It's not a mandate. It is now born out of who we are. And I hope you will remember that over the next several weeks. And I also hope that you will remember that there is more than one way to give. Every single person on earth Every single person on earth has time, talent, or treasure to give. And if you don't have a lot of treasure to give, that's cool. But if you have time or talent, the youth of LMCC needs you. If you have time or talent, go serve with Andrew Oliver. Where did he just go? Go serve with Do For One. Go spend time with a disabled adult who would love your company and love to have a relationship with you. Go serve with one of these groups as getting out and feeding the hungry every single week. I know that the last couple of years have been strange. And there was a good reason that we had to break from some of the things that we were doing. But that time has come to an end now. And it is time for us to reactivate, to roll up our sleeves, to not just know what the Bible says, but to become who the Bible says that we are. To become like Zacchaeus at the end, the son or the daughter of Abraham, the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And, um, we're going to be emailing some volunteer opportunities for you to take part in over the next couple of months, and I hope you'll join us. This season, LMCC, 
I feel this very strongly, um, especially over the next two months. Be ready for holy interruptions. Be ready for holy interruptions more than usual. Be tender enough to respond and be filled with the character of Christ. Let's pray. Not for our glory, Lord, but for yours. For your glory, Lord. For your name to be known. For your greatness to be called upon. Lord, I ask you to bless each and every single one of the partners that you have given us the privilege to sow into. Lord, I ask that you would highlight and illuminate their name around the city and around the world, drawing others, other workers, Lord, to them to participate in your, your mission for your people. God, I ask that you give each and every single person who is a member of this church and those who just happen to be listening today to give them greater clarity on what your mission for their individual lives are and, and your mission for us as a corporate body. And we ask for your wisdom to know what to do. And we ask for more of your character so that when the opportunities are before us, we are ready. We praise you that Jesus was and has never been too busy to stop to attend to us. We thank you that whenever we call his name, he stops and tenderly turns toward us to see what we need. And we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the ultimate provider, that you have all that we need and that you give it so freely and so abundantly. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.